0: This morning we praise you, Jesus. We come to you because you are the great God who defeats death, defeats the fall, defeats sin so that we can come into your presence right now and enjoy who you are for us. Open our eyes and ears. Lord, we want to know you better. Help us by opening us to us your word so that we would know you better bless us jesus so that we will be amazed by all that you are and share that amazement by glorifying you wherever we go in jesus name amen one of my favorite places here on the central coast is avila ridge avila ridge is that line of hills that stands between pismo and then shell beach and then the ridge, and then you have Avila Beach and that whole valley that's over there. And if you want to go hike Avila Ridge, you have to park in this neighborhood, and then you kind of have to walk back out, and you walk up this really steep hill right at the beginning, and then it kind of peters out and, and goes up and down, pretty steep it sometimes. But you get all the way to the beach, and it is wonderful. It It's Beautiful to look out over uh, Pismo and Shell Beach and then look out over here over Avila and look out over here and see the Pacific Ocean. Just wonderful. But that's actually not the reason why Avila Beach is so wonderful to me. My daughter, over the last couple of years, has hiked Avila Ridge with me several times. And one of those times we got to that that highest point on Avila Ridge. If you're familiar with it, the the water tanks are right here and there's that building over here that the city uses to control the water, I'm sure. But if you come over on this side, you look over here and you see Pismo and Shell and you see over here the rocks and Guadalupe Dunes are down that way. And we were standing there, Eliana and I, she said, that's beautiful. And it was, it was gorgeous and I loved it and praised Jesus for the sight. But you know what was even better than the sight? Is me enjoying with my daughter who appropriately recognized that is beautiful. In In her mind, in her soul, she recognized the value of having taken this long and hard hike. She's got little legs all the way up. And saw this and said, that's beautiful. That is amazing. That was worth the price of admission. And Mark's gospel is like that. Mark's gospel presents us with something even more amazing than Pismo Beach. Mark's gospel presents us with something even more amazing than the ocean. It's the opportunity for little hearts and old hearts to see. That's beautiful. We see in Mark's gospel Jesus. We see his power. We see his authority. We see his presence to save us. And so far as as we have preached through Mark's gospel we saw his introduction and then we saw the four miracle stories and today we're beginning a new section and here we're going to see in Mark's gospel five controversy stories Mark wants to present Jesus as decisive Jesus wades into the death that is the result of sin and he emerges victorious victorious over everything that we are powerless against Mark wants us to stand on the edge of the hill and be amazed and to glorify God. And today we look at the first controversy. Appropriately, it's a forgiveness and healing miracle. Both are just as miraculous. And just as the healing of the leper at the end of chapter 1 taught us that we could be clean because Jesus defeated death, Mark here continues that thought and expands it to include being cleansed from sin, to have forgiveness. We see here that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, so you and I can be amazed and we can glorify God. So let's read our passage together in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room for them, not even at the door. And he preached, he was preaching the word to them. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The old saying is, familiarity breeds contempt. Mark Twain replaced that old saying by saying, Familiarity breeds babies. Of course, both are correct. The familiarity with this story breeds the baby of a yawn. However, you and I should read this miracle and jump. We should be signaling touchdown and giving each other high fives to everyone around us. Because this is so wonderful. We should be amazed and we should give glory to God because of what Jesus does here. But there's contempt for this story. For a couple of reasons. This story, this miracle, makes American evangelicals a little bit uncomfortable. You can't read this miracle and miss how forgiveness and healing relate to each other. Now, in part, we struggle because we have ringing in our ears the story of the man born blind. Unfortunately, We mistakenly believe that the point of that story is sin doesn't have anything to do with illness. No, that story has to do with the hypocrisy of believing you know someone's illness or tragedy is the result of sin. This is the same exact problem Job's miserable comforters had. Instead, we see in John chapter 9, starting verse 1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. Now part of the reason we choose to believe that sin and illness are unrelated is that we don't like the idea that our sins result in anything but maybe some embarrassment. Plainly, this is not true. Now Jesus affirmed in this case, That the man's blindness had nothing to do with his or his parents' sin. In this case, the overriding issue is that Jesus would come along one day and heal him. Jesus would come along someday and demonstrate that Jesus is sovereign in forgiving and healing. Exactly the same point that we find in our sermon today. Keep in mind... Forgiveness is irrelevant to healing only in the modern mind. In case you want, consider three examples. 2 Samuel 12, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, The Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. At least in David and the prophet Nathan's mind, forgiveness and healing were very much related. Or consider Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. In one of my favorite Psalms in the whole Bible, we see, oh my goodness, forgiveness and healing are very much related. Do you need a New Testament example? Okay, let's turn to James 5. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Because there are cases in which we sin, and therefore we have illness. So James is covering his bases and saying, look, if you have faith, you can pray, and these things will be taken care of together. Remember the purpose of miracles. The purpose of miracles is to display God's power or control over all things, including sickness and sin. The the purpose of miracles is to display God's authority to use His power to accomplish His ends, like banishing sickness and sin. And the purpose of miracles is to display God's presence with us, with all of His people, no matter where we are. Remember The purpose of miracles is to display for everyone to see how God works to overcome the effects of the fall. Jesus says he came into the world to destroy the works of the devil, among which are unforgiven sin and unhealed diseases. We cannot do these things on our own. We must have the supernatural intervention of God. Which is why Mark chapter 2 and John chapter 9, among many other stories, are in the Bible. And it should not surprise us in the least that God would forgive this man's sins before he healed his body. In fact, perhaps what ought to surprise us is that our bodies are not Wracked, to an even greater degree than they are by our sin. We should be surprised that our bodies do not display to an even greater degree than they do the evil, wicked, paralyzing effect of my sin which affects my body. But perhaps we are so racked by sin and therefore blinded to this fact and we don't recognize it what we really need is to be amazed what we really need is to glorify God that he heals and that he forgives now for example one way you may choose to glorify God is by asking Him to reveal your sin to you. Oh, I pray that God would heal my shoulder and loosen up my hips. But I need to pray that God would forgive my sins. And so whenever I want God to speak to me, I always ask Him, Lord, reveal to me whatever sin I need to confess right now. Choose. Choose right now, to do that yourself. Go to him and say, Lord, reveal to me whatever it is I need to confess. And then as you go about your day, what you will find is your brain will slip into neutral. You'll stop thinking about anything in particular. And God will point out a sin to you. I believe that he means for you to repent of that sin right then. In fact, you may want to pause this video right now and do that. You may want to write a note to yourself right now. So today, you will ask the Lord to reveal to you whatever sin it is he wants you to confess and deal with. In the meantime, we will examine our passage more closely. We will be amazed and we will glorify God. Verses 1 and 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So Jesus came home. We don't know where he was. And the miracle worker who came to town could not be hidden. Everyone came. Everyone wanted a miracle. But what was Jesus doing? He was preaching the word to them. Jesus had an agenda. Preach the word in season, out of season. Preach the good news of Jesus who has come as prophet, priest, and king. Preach the good news that He is God with skin on. Preach the good news that He is the one who forgives our iniquity and heals all our diseases. Now Jesus did miracles. Yes, and he gave these miracles gave witness to the truth that what Jesus was saying had God the Father's stamp of approval on it. It was after all the teaching that was most important. More important than healing people? Yes. So be amazed and glorify God. If nothing else, one application of this amazement that you and I should have is to glorify God by preaching His Word wherever you are. Whoever you are. You don't need to have a title pastor or preacher. Whoever it is that is near you is the one God wants you to glorify Him in front of. That person is the one God wants you to praise Him, to speak well of Him, in front of. He wants you to share the good news with those who are near you. He wants you to tell them, verse Psalm 78, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. If you do this, others will share your amazement. Oh my goodness. Look at this person praising Jesus. And they too, will glorify God. Verse 3. And they came, bringing to Him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near Him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, we need to deal with an issue. And the issue is this. Jesus' response here seemed inappropriate. Even irrelevant to the matter at hand. Here is a paralytic. Jesus forgave him. Now, even allowing that Jesus had the authority to forgive, we must recognize the shocked disbelief of the Jewish leaders there. That was not what they were expecting. Did this young rabbi just forgive somebody? Now, of course, there are two ways of taking what Jesus meant when he said, your sins are forgiven. Samuel used almost these exact same words to David when David repenting. And Jesus may have meant them in a prophetic sense. You know what? I see that you are repentant of your sins. Your sins are forgiven. Of course, now we see it through the eyes of the resurrection we see that Jesus does, in fact, have authority to forgive sins, and this is an example. Jesus says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Clearly, Jesus has that authority, and we praise Jesus for that. But that isn't what makes evangelical struggle. What makes us struggle with this passage is that it has nothing to do with the paralytic's faith. Four men carried this man. They exhibited faith. Those same four men, they dug through a roof. That exhibited faith. Yet it is the paralytic whose sins are forgiven. Now, I was given good advice at one point. The advice was never take offense where none was intended. In other words, we can, and in today's culture way too often do, take offense at any and every imagined slight, even when the offender doesn't even know we exist. We get all twisted out of shape when someone says or doesn't say something that was never meant to be offensive. I'll give you an example. My mom told me the story one time how she was standing in line at a grocery store and she knew the woman who was in front of her and she greeted her. But the woman flat ignored my mom. So my mom was offended. What's with that? Oh my goodness. How can you be so rude? It wasn't until later on that day she discovered that this woman had just lost her mom that morning. She was stunned. She didn't hear my mom. She meant no offense to my mom. Amazing how we can be offended like that. But something similar is going on here. Don't be offended. Trust that Jesus knew more about this paralytic's heart than you do. It's safe to assume that this paralytic believed. Perhaps he motivated. They were his four sons who carried him. Who knows? But the point is that Jesus saw this man's greatest need. This man's greatest need was not what all the people gathered around him thought was his greatest need. Jesus knew that this man's greatest need was forgiveness. Jesus knew that this man's greatest need was to know that his sins were forgiven. But there's something even more important than that going on in these verses. We need to note something about the faith that the four men involved had. Now, this is absolutely crucial. We have to get this. Don't miss it. These men took action. They took drastic action. They ripped open the roof of somebody's house. It was just like the woman who beat on the door of the unjust judge. In that story, there's a woman who demanded justice against someone who had wronged her. And so what did she do? She was so insistent that the judge helped her that she gave him no rest. We read in Luke 18, For a while the judge refused, but afterwards said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me i will give her justice so that she does not beat me down with her continually coming this woman was beseeching this woman was pleading she was insistent even to the point of being rude until she got what she needed these men were beseeching they were pleading they were insistent even to the point of being rude ripping open the roof And Jesus answered, why? Why did Jesus answer such rude people? Well, evidently, according to Jesus, God likes that sort of effort, that sort of importunity, to use the old word when it comes to asking favors of the Almighty God. Look again at Luke 18, verse 7. And will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? The answer is yes, He will give justice. The answer is, I don't know if there will be faith on the earth when He returns. Right now, it doesn't look like there's much of it. But let's bring this home to you and me. Let's, how does this look in our life? What do we do when our loved one, what do we do when someone who is near us can't seem to get an answer from God? I have many times used the phrase, let me believe for you. I understand your eyes are darkened. I understand your emotions are frozen with fear or anger. Let me believe for you. What I mean by that is this. My friend, you are carrying a burden that no one is meant to carry alone. When it is too heavy for you, remember, I am willing to help. When you cannot pray for yourself, remember that I am praying for you. When you don't want to lift your eyes to heaven, remember, I am with you. If you are one who trusts the promises of God for you in Christ, even when you're in that dark hole, even when the roof, the ceiling above your bed is made out of concrete, you are safe and you are loved. And Christian, you are the one who is put there to help them know that in their bones. This is what it means to bear one another's burdens. The death of a child. The loss of a job. The end of a dream. These burdens, these burdens we need to entrust to a brother or sister to help us. And when you, Christians, When you, one who trusts the promises of God for you in Christ, are there to bear those burdens, you will cause many to be amazed and to glorify God. You will cause many to be amazed at your willingness to love them and to glorify God. Let's continue. Verse 6. My friends, Jesus was nothing if he was not intentional and decisive. And he used words that he knew they would call blasphemy, and he did it on purpose. He wanted to draw attention to what he was about to do. Jesus often used hard things to get our attention, to cause us to wake up, to sit up in our pews and listen. But of course, this all begs the question, which is easier and this reflexive question is designed to make you think so let's think on the one hand well it's easier to say your sins are forgiven why because there's no way to verify such a transaction really happened or not that's between this person and God and God doesn't make personal appearances like that very often On the other hand, it was easier to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Christ, unlike every other human being on earth, has the power and authority to heal this paralyzed man with a word. It was easy for him. Dude, get up and go home. Done. But why was it easy for Jesus to say that? Is it merely because he is God? Well, you can say that, but it, that isn't the point. The point is the cross, the point is always the cross. Because of the cross, we have the defeat of death. Because of the cross, we have the reversal of the curse. Because of the cross, the authority to free us from illness and, and sin is Christ's. And He can freely give it to us which is how we get back again to the purpose of miracles. God wants you to see this story and think, man, God has a lot of power. He can heal this paralytic. But don't leave it there. You're meant to take the next step. The next step is, huh, I bet he's powerful enough also to heal me of whatever it is that causes me to suffer. But you're supposed to see this miracle and realize God has authority. God chooses who to heal and who not to heal. Perhaps I should put myself on the path that enjoys his blessing. Perhaps I should submit. Perhaps I should align myself under his authority so that I may be blessed as he commands me to in Scripture. But you are supposed to read this miracle and you are supposed to realize God is near Jesus, God the Son, knows the weaknesses and the needs of this man. Perhaps he knows mine. Perhaps Jesus is also near me. Perhaps I could call upon him. Maybe, just maybe, God would be willing to reverse the effects of death on my sin. Now, what is all this about forgiveness of sins? I need to find out more about that. Be amazed. Glorify God. To glorify God is to seek His forgiveness. To be forgiven by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the only thing you need is to repent and believe. Repent. Recognize your sins. Admit those sins are are yours and ask Him to forgive you. And then it is to believe, to learn the promises of God and trust them that they are true for you. For example, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, Jesus, save me! And He will save you. That kind of repentance, that kind of trust, always wins God's favor. He will not turn you away. And just because He knows that you and I are going to be tempted to doubt, Mark finishes with verses 10-12. through All your infirmities, Christians, will one day be healed. Note carefully that not every paralytic in Galilee was healed. You may not be healed until the kingdom comes. The promise is not that all of your physical infirmities will be gone. The promise is his presence. And then, of course, we're, we're forced to ask and answer this question. All your sins can be forgiven. Are you interested? You may be a non-believer here. You may not really understand all this. But the question comes down, do you want to be saved? Jesus, right here and throughout His whole ministry, shows us that He is willing You can choose to go up to Avila Ridge or to the Grand Canyon and look out and Or you can choose to be amazed. You can choose here to look at the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and fall on your knees, my Lord and my God. Jesus went out of His way to show His powerful love for you. Jesus went out of His way to show, to make sure that you could understand if you want, if you desire, if you're willing to humble yourself, He can heal your infirmities and forgive your sins. If today you're wallowing in your sins, you don't believe that Jesus will forgive you, Look at this story. Look at this miracle and know that he is willing and that he is able. Call out to him, Lord, save me. And while you do, embrace the awe, cling to the wonder, be amazed and glorify God. Oh, Lord, we want to glorify you. We want to be amazed by you and all that you show us of yourself in your word. May we see you. May we see you truly. May we know you better. Because when we know you better, we will love you more. We will see that you are lovable. You are glorious above all else. And then we will trust you because we will see that you are trustworthy. God, hear our prayers. Open our hearts and help us to know you and therefore love you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.